Hello, I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And I'm Dr. Akiva Daum. And, and welcome, welcome to Interesting, Interesting Questions. I am a rabbi with ordination from Yeshiva University and a doctorate in education. I have a medical degree with specialization in general and addiction psychiatry. In this podcast, we will seek to take different questions that come up in the Torah and evaluate them from a psychological standpoint as well as a religious standpoint. Please note that in many of these situations, we will be looking at things that may be viewed as controversial. It is specifically to bring about questions that many people have had and bring in to light different levels of evaluation and it'll get people to think about things in a different way. Welcome to Sefer Dvarim, and as may be well known, another name for Sefer Dvarim is Mishnah Torah, referring to the second Torah, um, and that's because there are many themes within Dvarim that are a repeat of other places in the Torah that we've already learned. In education, we call this a spiral curriculum in the sense that we go back to material we have learned before, we review it, and we go deeper into it. I think Sefer Devarim does that, uh, and we may be doing that as well, Akiva, because we may go back to some of the themes we've talked about earlier in this podcast, earlier this year, um, and try and go a little bit deeper, try to understand them a little bit better, or even just review them in order to be able to uh, really understand ourselves and understand the Parsha on a deeper level. And with that said, I want to talk a little bit more about this idea of Mishnah Torah. Because is it really the case that we're repeating so much of the Torah? If we look at Sefer Dvarim, what percentage of Sefer Breshit exists in Sefer Dvarim? None. Zero. What percentage of Shmot? Some. We get a second Aseret Hadibrot, which can be found there. Um, in terms of Vayikra, very little in terms of Karbanot, and in terms of the, the responsibilities of the Kohanim, uh, and a fair bit of Sefer Bamidbar, in terms of events that had occurred, expectations, and what will happen once they enter Eretz Yisrael. So there are definitely pieces that repeat, and yet I don't think we should think that this is simply the summer reruns. This is really, as we said before, an opportunity to go a little bit deeper, to see where the differences may lie, and we'll be talking more about that over the course of this podcast. So, Avi, in the same light as far as with Devarim, where we know that Moshe is really recounting all to B'nai Yisrael, he starts off Devarim basically mentioning all of the places that they made mistakes in the past. And yet, what we also know is the group of people that he is speaking to, in many ways, are not the group of people who committed these indiscretions, let's call them, because I think that sums up the spectrum of things that they have done. 
these are people who we know are of a different generation because otherwise they wouldn't be entering into uh, Eretz Yisrael. So maybe you can explain to us a little bit why we're more or less rebuking people for something they didn't do. So this is one of those cases where Rashi has a stunningly simple but beautiful answer. Right? We have to keep in mind the context, which is that Moshe is about a little bit more than a month out from having the people enter Eretz Yisrael, where he will no longer be with them. And he is sharing his concerns because the people are a little bit haughty. They've been doing the right things and they've been going great and they said, don't worry, Moshe, we're not going to have any problems following the laws of Hashem. And Moshe says, let me remind you a little bit about the past where there were mistakes and that was when there was direct contact with Hashem through me, right? When you could speak directly to Hashem and Hashem would respond. What's it going to be like in the future when that isn't the case? There were mistakes made. Don't be so sure of yourself. Recognize that this is a constant, uh, a constant exercise that you have to engage in, right? to make sure you are following the halachot of Hashem. It's not something that comes without work. And so, if that's the case, he needs to remind them and say to them, look, here are the mistakes that were made in the past by your grandparents and by your parents. Try to learn from them. Don't make the same mistakes. That being said, Akiva, I would want to throw it back to you and say, is this an effective way of doing this? Right? When is it okay to remind people of their past mistakes? And when should we be saying, better to let sleeping dogs lie, or better to not embarrass somebody by reminding them of that time that they did something embarrassing? I think a lot of it depends on, in part, what the, motiv- what the motivation and what the motive is behind the reminding, as well as how you do it. So, you know, a, a public reminder of that time someone did something inappropriate that didn't involve everybody else, probably not so helpful, right? Because you're going to just mostly create shame. And, and what we know is, right, for most of us, when we realize we've done something wrong, we have our own shame and we don't need to borrow that from someone else. In most cases, if there's an opportunity to privately discuss with someone, and I think that's the difference, discussing with someone versus just kind of shunning them or shaming them, of an area that they have room for improvement, again, also if that relationship is appropriate for that, right? So one of your fellow coworkers who you've never had any other kind of relationship with and you guys are peers or equals in the office, probably not the best time to be rebuking. However, if there's a superiority where you happen to be somebody's supervisor, I think it's okay to say, so I want to make sure that we just don't repeat the same mistake because 
this wasn't helpful for any of us and I know that it made you feel badly or so on and so forth. Again, how you say it is obviously very important. And then, of course, if there's a friend relationship where you have an opportunity to say, want to make sure that things are okay because I remember that time of blah, 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 blah. Again, kind of more foreshadowing rather than rebuking. And, and I think those are the opportunities. Really, when there's an opportunity for someone to do something different, there's value. When it's simply a reminder of, remember how you screwed up? That rarely is helpful because there's no opportunity for positive change. There's no opportunity to not repeat the same mistake if it doesn't come up. It's, it's really, and again, I think also if you have someone who has already identified and been working very hard on correcting a past mistake, reminding them constantly of that past mistake really just inherently teaches them, I shouldn't bother because they're only going to remember the mistake I made anyway. So that can really be uh, a hindrance to somebody's progress and somebody's chuva. Avi, I think that, you know, I know you asked because you wanted to hear from the psychiatrist, but the truth is, as an educator um, and as a rabbi, right, we have this opportunity because we know that one should not be bringing up if somebody's baltshuva, remember that time you did this or that. Similarly, we are taught that rather than tell someone they did something wrong per se, the opportunity to give and model a proper example of how to do something can be so much more meaningful. So maybe you can kind of go into more detail a little bit about that and how as an educator and a rabbi, you've perhaps come across those in the past. And, and that would be a great model for those of us who would benefit from such a model. Sure. So sometimes when I see, whether it's my student or maybe it's somebody who is on the path to becoming more observant, uh, and we're having them for, let's say, a Shabbos lunch, um, doing something that isn't the norm or isn't what is appropriate, um, I will make a mental note. And then the next time, it's an opportunity for me to set expectations in advance. That way, ideally, I'm not shaming them or embarrassing them by saying, well, you didn't do that right, but rather I can take a mindful forward positive approach and say, okay, we're having a guest speaker. I want to remind you of the expectations, right? The expectations are you don't have your phone out. The expectations are that you're listening to the speaker. If you have questions at the end, please raise your hand so that we can call on you one at a time and everybody or as many people as possible will get a chance to ask their questions. Um, when we do those kinds of things, um, or if it's, again, somebody who's come for lunch who might not be familiar with things like uh, not speaking after washing for nitilat yadayim, right? So I can, I, I will make a note to say, oh, just want to let everybody know, right? What we're going to do is we're going to say kiddush and then we're going to wash our hands and the custom is not to speak between the time we wash our hands until we make hamotzi, right? And so I'm being proactive and hopefully helping them better understand the expectation without shaming or embarrassing anyone. So Akiva, continuing with the theme of things that repeat, we are reminded about setting up judges and how Moshe said, I cannot do this alone. 
and Hashem tells him to set up a system of judges um, in order to make this job much more manageable. And I was hoping you could speak to us about support systems and what kind of support systems people might need or should try to have around them. Absolutely. I think the support systems are really important. And Avi, I know you'll correct me if, if my memory is incorrect, but I believe it wasn't it also Yitro who also told Moshe that he needs to have. So, so not only does do we see even in that, Moshe has support from Hashem, as we all hope to, granted we don't have the same level I think that Moshe had, uh, but right then and there we're learning right away, Moshe has support from his father-in-law. He says, hey, there's a better way to do this, which, you know, that's what most father-in-laws are there for. Uh, not mine, of course. Of course. Um, but at the same time, as far as support systems, I think that there are ways that we can build a, to use the political term, a cabinet of those around us who can really serve to not just build us up, but build us in a way that supports us and that includes correcting us when we need correction. We just talked about that, the importance of hearing where there's room for improvement because yes men only get you so far. And I think the opportunity here is not only that you need supports, but it is not weak to have help. And I, and I go through this all the time with people. We, we often talk about the importance of using all the tools available to you and really filling your toolbox with not just the tools that you know you'll need, but also the tools that you might need. And anyone who's ever dabbled in any kind of construction or building or fixing or is professional in this way knows that, right, if you're going to a job site and you know you need a hammer and you need a Phillips head screwdriver, you don't just bring the hammer and Phillips head screwdriver. And for those who aren't professionals, um, any of us who have gotten on the ladder and then realize afterwards that we should have brought six other things with us, same thing. So it's about using all of the tools available to you and really filling your toolbox with those most beneficial tools. And you might find that certain people that are helpful and sometimes are not helpful in others. So you're going to have a, a, a select group. You know, if I need halachic advice, I'm probably going to ask people who are in some ways learned, if not simply rabbis. If I need medical advice, I may have a rabbi who's familiar with medical information. At the same time, I need those with medical expertise. And it's not to say that one is less or more important than another. It's at the same time knowing where people's strengths lie. And me knowing that I have a certain set of skills in one area stronger than a set of skills in another it's important for me to utilize what I have available to me. So, so I would say, really, the, the appointment of the judges and a big piece of this support idea is 
if we all could figure out how to use supports more effectively and efficiently, we would probably be more successful in our endeavors. So to once again return to our theme, the idea of repeating, there are many things that repeat in Sefer Devarim. And in this particular Parsha, we have them as well. And yet we're going to find throughout Sefer Devarim that the things that are repeated oftentimes are a little bit different. In next week's Parsha of Ed Chanan, we're going to have the Aserta Dibrot, but they're a little bit different. We have pieces of Shema, we have the mitzvah of teaching your children about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. All of those are things that have been said before, but they're a little bit different. And I was hoping, Akiva, you could speak to us a little bit about our memories and why, you know, sort of, sometimes we have memories with rose-colored glasses or, or we remember things in a particular way. So there's this concept known as recall bias, and we are all guilty of it. Not, not one person is uh, excluded in that, I think. It's, it might be one of the few absolutes that we have. And it's not to say that it's a purposeful uh, or disingenuous memory. It simply has to do with the fact that when we lay down memories, we don't lay them down as a series of event without any other aspect to it. That's not the way we remember things. When we remember things, we remember smells, we remember emotions, we remember the events, and the events that we remember best often are associated heavily with emotions, with smells, with, with tastes, with all of our senses being engaged. And so we hear that, and there's also oftentimes when we're remembering things, we're, we're prompted many times to remember things, and we can't help but sometimes have leading questions. And so we see this all the time when people talk about what happened in the past, and we know that, well, if you were in a medical study, for example, we know that even the people in the placebo group do better than the general population without anything. Why? Because they're having treatment, whether it's with an active treatment or not, because if you're showing up and you're asked to report on things, you're keeping a log, you're keeping track, you're being mindful of more things than we normally do. So that in and of itself, there's a bias. Now that's not necessarily recall bias, but the point is, is that biases are very common. I, I'm remembering specifically in this week's Parsha where, you know, they talk about the Miraglim. And what does Moshe said? The idea was good in my eyes. Well, I kind of remember it differently. And Avi, I think you do too. And of course, we're not remembering back from 38 years ago. We're remembering back from a couple weeks ago. And many, many years of repetition before then. And so... It's this idea of, well, 
We thought this was good, but it turned out to be bad. So there's a lesson to be learned in there, and it fits on with the idea of what is Moshe doing? He's saying to them, just because you think something is a good idea, because you remember it is a good idea, don't forget all the other pieces to it where there wasn't a good idea. And it's a useful learning tactic. It's a way to learn from your mistakes, even if sometimes your memories are padded, let's say. And I think that's the idea really with the recall bias, especially in this case, is we know that Moshe was a teacher uh, of the utmost kind, amongst other things, but all of our leaders should be teachers and are teachers, whether they want to be or not. And what is Moshe doing here? I think he's probably saying, you know, there's a lesson to be learned. Recall bias is real, so think twice. And that's what's going on. question for this week's Shabbos table is, as we review all of the things that happened in the Torah and come at them from a slightly different approach, what family event would you like to revisit and why? Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.